everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Searching for Home. This is your co-host, Ranit. And McKenna. Searching for Home is a podcast where we discuss what we keep and what we leave behind from our past experiences. We unpack how we have moved from the home's beliefs and countries we grew up in to begin the never-ending quest of searching for home both inside and outside ourselves. Welcome to our first episode. Today, we are going to talk about McKenna's search for home as she talks about her childhood and the present. Over to you, McKenna. Yeah, this is just going to be a general overview of my life up to this point. So starting at the very beginning, I was born and raised in northern Indiana in the U.S. I was born in 1994, 90s baby. So you're a millennial. I I am a solid millennial. Mm -hmm. So both of my parents were also born and raised in northern Indiana. And Mm -hmm. I think also maybe their parents before them. Like, I don't even know where my ancestors are from. Yeah, I've been in the U.S. for a while. And another ancestral thing in my family is on both sides, they're all evangelical Christians. So Mm -hmm. that is something that like I was born on a Monday and the following Sunday I was in church. And so I also have one older sister, three years older than me. And growing up at that time, I felt like my life was very typical middle class American family. Mm -hmm. Now with some hindsight, I see there were already some ways that I was struggling mentally, but I initially was looking back on those years with a lot of rose-colored glasses because then my life got a lot more difficult. When I was 10 years old, my parents separated. My dad actually had an affair, was very unhappy with his marriage and I will say about this and other things that I'm that I'm going to talk about that I have so much grace for all of the people in my story that have done things that have caused me harm because I see that they're only acting out of their own pain and their own difficulties and mm-hmm. so I have a, a lot of grace for that but they are still things that impacted me a lot and so I feel in- important to talk about So my parents separated and it was really difficult. My sister and I were living just full time with my mom then after that. And And how old were you? I was 10 years old. And my mom had a lot of struggles with mental health, physical health as well. But her mental health was her whole life. She, She struggled with it. And sort of any stability that my dad had lent to the picture left when he did. So were you living in the same city or? Yeah, we stayed in the same city. We were living in a house, all of us. And then when my dad left, my mom had been a stay-at-home mom since my sister was born 13 years prior to this. And so she hadn't worked. And so we didn't really have any money. My dad was paying child support, but she was needing to get a job. So we had to move out of that house very quickly. So we moved into another house and my dad had an apartment that was not too far away, but we didn't have any overnights with him. We would see him maybe once a week. How would it feel when you would be meeting him over the weekend? Like, would you do any activity? Was it like sheer joy to see your father or? It was really complicated and difficult because I had been a huge daddy's girl. Like I, I loved playing with my dad and and being with my dad. And then suddenly he was this villain. As my mom was painting it, he left us. We have to figure this out. She called us the three musketeers. 
like my sister, mm-hmm. her and I, she was like, it's us against the world kind of thing. Like, and so she very much was alienating us against him. And my sister was a little bit older and she was angry as well. And I mean, she had a, a, a right to be angry, like despite the fact that their marriage probably did need to end, that neither of them were happy within it, the way that it ended was not great. I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that relationship became really strained with my dad. Yeah, where I just didn't feel so, comfortable around him and and it was like my mom is the safe person, my mom is the hero, but I didn't realize in that time how much my mom was actually not taking care of us, how much my sister and I were actually being neglected, both emotionally, because my my mom couldn't handle her own emotions, let alone our emotions, but also physical needs. Things were just really chaotic. This time period of my life from, it's only like maybe two years where we had lived in this one house before we ended up getting evicted from that house. And when was this? Like how old were you? You were 10? This was, yeah, this was 10 until we lived there in this house, maybe until I was 11 or or 12. It wasn't very long that we stayed there. So for both my sister and I, it's very hard for us to remember this Mm -hmm. time period. It's been very difficult for you. Yes. And so when we ended up getting evicted from that house, then we moved into an apartment with my dad. I think I'm going into too much detail. No, no, it's perfect. It's great. It's okay. It's okay. It's- so I have a couple of follow-up questions. How was it like in school? I went to public school. I was always very, very good in school from, you know, as as young as I can remember, I was always praised for being intelligent, for being good at things. And so that was an environment where I felt good, where I felt I excelled, where I felt I had some measure of control. So mm-hmm. I continued to always do really well in school, even when all this difficult stuff was going on at home. It was very important to me okay. to make sure that I was doing my homework, that I was getting good grades. I would get upset if I didn't do well on things. I had a really okay. hard time if I that that perfectionism sort of thing. But I'll, I'll move on. So we ended up moving into an apartment with my dad. And so like my mom, my sister and I were all sharing one room Mm -hmm. and my dad had a room. It was a two bedroom apartment. And but he didn't end up staying there for very long. He was also driving long distance truck driving at the time. So he wasn't always there. He ended up buying a house and moved out of there. You know, he was paying the lease for the apartment and he was giving my mom child support and we still had no money. I don't yeah. <laughs> like she was struggling to get a job or if she did get a job, you know, it didn't pay very well. And she didn't know how to handle money. So mm-hmm. it just was always really difficult in that way. Then we we ended up moving in with another family that year when we moved. It was my eighth grade year. So I would have been 13, 14 years old. And I had to change schools that year um, because of where we were moving. And that was that was a really, really difficult thing for me. Um, and that was one of the worst mental health times for me. Adolescence is already just a really yes, difficult it, thing to deal it, with. It's but, hard being a teenager. Yeah, but sort of yeah. adding all of this other stuff on top of it. And meanwhile, we're still very involved in the church. And my sister has thrown herself into it and is really thriving in that environment. I feel this struggle because I have so many mental health difficulties. One thing I didn't say is that part of what I was saying with the the mental struggles that I already had even before my parents separated, 
I started taking antidepressants when I was eight years old. And I don't really know how that happened. I don't have much of a memory, a memory of of what was going on that my yeah, mom, right. yeah, that my mom took me to the doctor and they said, yep, she's got depression. And they put me on antidepressants when I was eight years old. And so that, that struggle has continued through my entire life. <laughs> Dealing with mental health things like that in the church. And especially this is, you know, the 2010s, a, a little bit before that, you know, like mm -hmm. that was even societal level, like mental health is now more acceptable yeah. of, a, of a thing to deal with than it was then. And in the church, it was very much like, well, you just don't have enough faith that God can heal you from this. Yeah, it very much felt like it was my fault that I was depressed, that I didn't have enough faith. I did you know. feel that or did someone say it to you or? That's hard to remember. I think what matters is you felt this way. I did, and, yeah. I felt that important. way. And I know there were there were times I would I would just stop taking my medicine because I've struggled so much with the fact that I had to take medicine. When you felt like you were struggling with your meds, when you were struggling with mental health issues, maybe depression or something else, did it bring a lot of guilt? I don't know that it was guilt as much as shame. It was shame. It was like, why are you like this? Why can't you just be normal? normal? Why yeah. can't you be happy? Why are you like this? Why do you struggle in these ways? Add to on top of that, that you had economic issues. Mm -hmm. You had to take care of yourself. You were a teenager and you had to take care of your studies. And you didn't start from a very good position. You didn't have the strongest of the base. How did you cope with that at that point? Did you feel a bit hopeless? Did you feel like... Uh, you could find some help you know i the path that was set out for me was god okay. <laughs> was church and so i just kept trying to fit myself into that mold and there were times where it was really difficult where it, it put a lot of stress on me like when i got my first boyfriend when i was in middle school and you know we would start fooling around a little bit even you know just making out or heavy petting whatever and i've had so much shame and guilt about that because of the the purity culture messaging mm -hmm. you know you would hear it growing up no sex outside of marriage okay. but then when i started going to youth group at church I felt like they talked about it so often of <laughs> how you need to, you know, be pure for God and they just really pushed it so hard. And so that was something that I really was a struggle for me. So it felt like you were judging your own actions and feeling ashamed of them because of the... Because of God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because like, cause this is sin. And not even just for you to do the, the actions, whatever, but also within your mind, even the fact that you want to do it, like that mm -hmm. is a sin. You need to mm -hmm. like capture your thoughts and not even be having these impure thoughts or things. And it's like, I'm a, I'm a teenager. Like yeah. I, I, yeah. I got yeah. hormones. I'm curious. Yeah, and we are all just human. Yeah. Human. <laughs> and did you talk about it with someone in your family or friends who were <sighs> not in the church or some people who were in the church? I did have some friends in middle school who were not Christian, 
who I could talk to about stuff with my boyfriend and that didn't make me feel bad about it because they were also, you know, experimenting in their own ways and things. Mm -hmm. But it was so much of, of my identity and what it felt like I was supposed to be. This is this is how you be a, a good girl. Like you okay. have to be a good Christian good. girl. Yes, like okay. that was the ideal set out okay. for me. And so it I didn't I didn't talk to anybody in the church about it. No, I would not have confessed. I understand. Or I admitted understand. any of that. Eventually as going through high school, I I started to really buy into into church and into faith and I and I was really throwing myself into that and wanting to be sold out for God and okay. and all about uh, Jesus and everything. And and I do think there were parts of it that were very good and helpful for me. Okay. In particular, there was a, a youth program that I was a part of for several years in high school that was a really good and loving environment. And and I feel was not judgmental. It was very open and accepting. And they also were affirming of LGBTQ people that's, at that time. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. That's- and I am am not that. But just the fact that they allowed students to be leaders mm-hmm. who had come out as gay, like I think that that was a really positive environment because yeah, it just allows for more humanness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was a good environment, but there are, are still just a lot of messages that struggle mm. with. Okay. Uh, so I know that you went to university, and was that how was university for you? Well, so actually, before I started university, I did a gap year in between of an internship at a church in Colorado Springs. And so my sister had actually done the same internship for two years after she graduated high school. And I went to visit one of the the summers. They had a huge youth conference. It was a summer after my junior year of high school. So I had one more year still. A different boyfriend than the one that I first talked about, but I we'd been together for like two and a half years. And he he broke up with me earlier that year and I was a wreck. <laughs> I was a total yeah. wreck because I was like head over heels. Like I'm going to marry him. Like, you know, I was, I was all about him. So I went to this conference and you know, it's uh, thousands of students and they've got the music and the lights and the, the messages and everything. And I, I was like, I think I just got saved for the first time. Like, even though I'd been in church my entire life, this particular message about surrendering everything to Jesus, like it it hit me in a way that it hadn't before. And I was like, yes, this is what I want. I'm going to be completely surrendered to God. I'm going to give everything to him. That's what I want to do. So I want to do this year-long internship Mm -hmm. at this church. So that's what I did. This was 2012. I was 18 years old. And it was very intense. <laughs> it's yeah. Very intense. There were a lot of rules. You couldn't date at all the first six months of the, okay. the program. So like I actually had a different boyfriend yeah. <laughs> that I was dating my senior year and I broke up with him to go to this program. Okay. I broke up with him. Oof. And not only that, but I was like, we can't talk anymore. Mm. Just cold turkey. Not because I didn't like him or wasn't interested in having a relationship with him, but because that was the rules of the program. Yeah. But it was very serious. Like you had to be really intentional about the ways that you were 
communicating or involved with the opposite sex. You couldn't be alone with somebody. Even like, I mean, you're not allowed to date. So like you can't even do anything that would even, somebody might see it and think it's a date. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, there were a lot of other other rules as well, but I don't know how many hours a week it was, but we're in classes like theology classes or doctrine, mm -hmm. Bible classes, but then we're also in all these services throughout the week. And then I think we had maybe like 10 hours of prayer a week. Okay. So it was like we had corporate prayer meetings where it would be like a bunch of people and you know people would pray on the mic and there's worship and mm -hmm. that stuff going on. But then you also had to do two hours in the prayer room. So that was okay. a really intense that was, experience. That was intense. Very intense experience. Yeah. And I, again, there's a lot of good things that came out of that year. Like I, I do feel like I became more bold and more confident. I made some, some good friendships. There was a group of maybe it was 40 of us or something. So you're spending all of your time with these people. So I, I had some really good friends there, but then it's also, you're trying to be a specific thing. You're trying okay. to fit into this mold of what mm. a good Christian is. Okay. And so I remember I lived with a, a host family and I had three other roommates, all girls. Within the first couple of weeks, we were like, let's watch a movie. And so we watched 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. Do you know this movie? Yes. yes. Yeah. And I grew up watching this movie. I love this movie. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. There are some parts that are, I suppose, a bit raunchy for, you know, being Christian and everything. Yeah. And so we're watching this movie, all of us, and I'm laughing at the raunchy parts and none of them are laughing. And I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to laugh at this. This isn't, this isn't allowed to be funny. Like I need okay. to be so holy, you know? Okay. <laughs> like, so it's stuff did like that. that where you? Like did this? It didn't shock me, but I just, I took notice of it for sure. Okay. I was like, I'm the only one laughing. So that means like, I, I need to, even if I find it funny, I need to not show that. That sucks. Yeah. So, yeah. and I mean, I think this had been my, my experience of church in, in mm. general, there were certain parts of myself that I didn't feel were acceptable there. So I felt like I had to to hide them. So I came out of that year and I, during the year, I loved it. I was having a great time. There is something to be said living in this tight knit community that it feels good. Yeah. You know, to be, to feel like you, you have people and you're a part of something and you belong somewhere. Yeah. And it's so hard to leave that. Yeah. It's so hard to leave that. And I didn't want to leave, but I felt like I was supposed to mm -hmm. go to college and start college. So that's what I did. And almost everybody else in my first year of the internship stayed. There were only like two or three of us that didn't stay for a second year. Wow. And I was one that left. Well, the last couple months of the internship, I started getting to know one of the other men in the internship and we started becoming more friendly just like getting to know each other a bit we still at that point you were allowed to date but you weren't allowed to date anybody in the internship which is who you spend all of your time with okay <laughs> but you're not allowed to date them yeah, i wonder <laughs> that how that worked. i know there were some people who were sneaking yeah. around a sneaking little bit around, yeah. but it was very very frowned upon and if you were caught you could be kicked out of the program okay or you would face other 
consequences. Like I know other people who they they were caught having made out with somebody or something and and they got privileges taken away from them or they had to do extra work or things like that. It was really intense. It was really intense. Yeah. Or you could get kicked out of the program. So anyways, we started getting to to know each other a bit better. And then I left and he was staying to do another year of internship. I went back to Indiana to start university and we decided to start dating Mm -hmm. long distance. One of the things with the culture is very much like you find a person who is pursuing God as hard as you are and that you like and you get along with and then you just marry that person it's like you can do more for the kingdom of god together than you can on your own if you're both like united in your pursuit and it was really frowned upon to be casually dating that was not a thing like you dated with intention you dated to marry so it felt really intense to decide to start Mm -hmm. actually dating someone yeah so we started dating long distance i started at university we saw each other then for the first time in december 2013 and we'd started dating in august so we already had been like four or five months of of talking and we you know we would skype or text all that stuff so like i already felt like i was in love with him before he even came to visit so he came to indiana and i remember seeing him at the airport and feeling like oh my God, this is so weird. Like, do I actually even know this person? I wasn't used to seeing him move and walk and actually being with him and talking. And I was really uncomfortable at first. But then after maybe two days, I sort of got used to it. And I was like, okay, it's all right. He told me he loved me on that trip. And so we were, you know, doing, doing that whole thing. And during that trip, he decided to then come to my sister's wedding, which was like four months later. So that's when I saw him the next time. After the wedding that night, we were hanging out and I think he said something like, I think that maybe I could see myself getting engaged to someone like you. Like that's <laughs> like really talking yeah. around it. But I'm like very blunt. And I was like, so you're saying you'd marry me? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So we started talking about marriage then already. Like we hadn't even been dating a year. I just turned 20. Yeah, I just turned 20. That summer, finishing my first year of university, I did not want to go back to living with my mom over the summer. I didn't feel like that would be a good situation for me mentally. I was looking for internships or something to do during Mm -hmm. the summer. And I ended up finding one back in Colorado Springs with a a different Christian organization. My, My boyfriend was living there. And so... I was like this is great we can spend mm. the summer together and yeah. and at the end of that summer we got engaged okay so i was 20 and he was 21, 21. We got and you engaged. had been talking for a year we'd been dating a year yeah we dating got we year, got engaged yeah. two days after our one year anniversary and then later that month i went back to start university again mm-hmm. so i had a semester at university and then i had a semester studying abroad and then i went back to the U.S. in May of 2015, and in August of 2015, we got married. We moved back to my hometown. He's from Western Kansas, and but he had been living in Colorado doing this internship okay. the entire time that we'd been dating and engaged. So we moved together to my hometown, and we're doing married life and mm. figuring out being adults. We had no money. We had, <laughs> <laughs> I was still finishing college. 
he was looking for a full-time job and I was, you know, working part-time. But there was there was some good stuff in there for mm-hmm. sure. There was also not great stuff. Also, you yeah. were so young. We were so young. We were so young babies. Yeah. Babies. So we had been married not even six months and my mom died suddenly. Her, as I said, had said earlier, her health, it was not ever good in my, my entire life. She always struggled with different things, but it still was, was very unexpected. She was only 52. And that was really difficult for me, yeah, as you can I, I, imagine. I, I can understand, of me, course. I mean, yeah, it was just before I turned 22, not even six months married, and now dealing with all this grief. And it really made me start struggling with my faith because my my mom had so much faith. My mom is a very complicated person in that she was deeply troubled. She was very mentally ill. She never got a hold on it. She could never figure it out. And really after her and my dad separated, she just struggled for the rest of her life. But she also continued to keep blaming my dad. She would say that she had forgiven him and they were very, they were friendly. They were fine around each other. They didn't argue or anything. That was, that was fine. And she was also good with my stepmother. My dad ended up marrying, but she really, I think, continued to, to blame him for all of her difficulties, despite the fact that, you know, she, she moved more, multiple more times and, when she died, she was she was staying with another friend because she had been sort of pushed out of the friend the other friend she was living with, and she had lost her job. She had was being sued. It, everything was just a mess. Like I think honestly that the the anxiety may have been what pushed her heart over the mm. edge to to give out. And my relationship with her was very rocky at that time, and it sort of went from this place of you know, thinking my mom is the coolest, like my mom is the best because we have no rules and she's so fun. And to realizing as I got older, how unhealthy our dynamic was, how difficult she was to deal with because she couldn't manage her own emotions, sort of realizing we had been neglected and these things. And so I really started to struggle with our relationship. So yeah, so she, she died and I had not worked through any of this with her. Mm. I had only started processing more of, of the trauma of my childhood, really like trying to remember things and think about it and realizing how messed up it was. Yeah. And so I was still processing all of this and I was not ready yet to talk to her about it, to try to have any sort of conversation. But I think the, that was a very long rabbit trail. But what I was starting to say is that like no, my good. mom had had this faith her whole life. She always was going back to God, even if she would have moments where she was depressed or struggling with different things. She always was was going back to God. It was really hard for me to see that she never figured anything out. <laughs> she never her life her life never got better. And not that I think that a faith should promise you a good life. No. But the way that you're able to withstand life, the way that you're able to rise to the challenges of life, that should get better. Mm. What is being proclaimed with Christianity. Like, I think that, yeah, there should be inner growth. There should be healing from things like mental illness and stuff. Mm. Not like a magical automatic healing. I mean, I suppose I'm still very spiritual in some ways. So I still... Mm -hmm. 
think it could happen. But inner healing, I feel like, should be seen that. And so that was the first like crack in my faith for me. I saw her try so hard her whole life and want to be better and want to find healing, but not be able to find it. And so I think for the first time, I started to think like, maybe this isn't everything it says it is. So, so. <laughs> how did you move on from that? Because it seems like a lot, right? Like yes. Losing yeah. a parent yeah. can be overwhelming. It can be traumatizing. Yes. So how did you move from that? How did you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I was in a really heavy grief for several months. I was still in school and I took a semester off because it happened like right at the beginning of the semester and I just couldn't, I couldn't concentrate. So I just dropped all my classes and took the semester off. I slept a lot and I was working part-time still. And then I started volunteering like with an animal rescue when I was feeling a little bit more like a person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was still going to, to church and I got involved with a women's small group, which was really, really good. I started having some friends that I felt like I could be myself around and started processing it. I did then get back at school and I, and I finished my degree in the end of 2016 which was the year she died so then my husband and I stayed in Indiana three years total after we got married and then we ended up moving to Kansas City Missouri we moved there in 2018 and just a couple months after we had moved it came out that my husband throughout our entire marriage had um, been cheating in a way it was nothing physical it was all digital stuff sexting um making dating profiles stuff like that yeah it had been on and off our entire marriage and again i want to say as i said at the beginning i have an infinite grace for him as well along with my dad and and my stepmom and, and my mom everyone whatever i'm rambling mm -hmm. no no <laughs> i have it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's good it's good yeah. yeah i have a lot of grace for him and and i think that he was also a, a victim in his own ways and i know that that is what his behavior was rooted in that he was hurting himself and he didn't know how to deal with it mm. and obviously he didn't choose a great way to deal with it but that's that's life and you're um, still young yes yeah yeah we we're still young he would have been 25 and i i was shocked i was so shocked it was nothing that i would have thought him capable of at all it didn't line up at all with who i thought he was as a person mm -hmm. and i think part of it is because we did this intense internship together yeah. It's like there's so much that I assumed about him mm. and that he would have assumed also about me because we were we were in this community where it was like everybody thought the same. Yeah. Everybody lived the, tried to live the same and way. And the same values. The same values, yes, living by the same morals and and principles. I but I was just totally shocked. It was like I got yeah. a bucket of cold water poured yeah. on me and I was just like what, what the yeah, yeah i was like who are you i don't even know who you are if you're capable of of this i have no idea who you are yeah immediately i was like well, i like i i'm not in love with you like don't touch me <laughs> you yeah. know it was just like i'm living with a stranger yeah is how it felt within christianity divorce is so frowned upon and and christians will tell you that because in the Bible, it even says that infidelity is a valid reason to divorce. And, but even so, it's still really frowned upon to not try, to not 
try to pursue reconciliation. And I know that I would have gotten a lot of pushback if I had not tried. But also I felt like because that was everything I'd ever been told, that was what I wanted to do. I was like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna work this out. And so we started going to counseling. I felt like I was trying so hard and that I wasn't seeing the same effort from him. So I told him like, I'm not going to go to therapy anymore. You can keep going. You should keep going individually, but I, I can't do it right now. Like I need to see that that you're making effort that you're trying to, to change. And because there were a few instances within that time period where I caught him in lies, not cheating lies, but just lies. And that was enough to make me be like, what, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just need you to be honest with me. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be mad if you tell me the truth. I'm, but if you lie to me about it and then I find out later, I'm like, that's so hurtful to me. It feels like a betrayal. Yeah, it is. And disrespectful. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. I knew that it was for him from a place of insecurity and feeling like he didn't know who he was and wasn't happy with himself. And I'm very, very thankful that when I found out about it, at no point was I like, oh, it's, I'm not good enough. Mm. Like, this is, this is my fault. And like, of course, I know I was not perfect. I I was like my mom. I struggled so much to handle my own emotions. I was highs and lows. And, and I know that that w was exhausting and difficult for him to deal with. I see that. And yeah, and I mean, there were other issues and things, but I knew that it was not because I wasn't good enough that he had, had cheated. Yeah. I knew that it was something like within himself that, that needed to be healed. I'm so happy that you never went into that rabbit hole. I am too. I'm yeah. really yeah. happy. Because normally, more often than not, the society shames the woman for man for the man cheating, at least where I come from. So I'm really happy that you didn't fall into that trap. Meanwhile, I am so unhappy. I'm, <laughs> I was just so depressed. I, I didn't want to be with him, but I didn't feel like I could leave because he was still saying that he wanted to try. He wanted to be together. And so I, I didn't feel like... I was allowed to just call it. <laughs> so I was becoming really disconnected with myself during this time. You know, I didn't, I didn't have friends really. I mean, we had just moved to a new city. So yeah. <laughs> I had lost my community and we, we had developed a really nice community in, with our church and in Indiana. And, and my family was there. My, my dad and my stepmom and my stepsisters were all there. So we had a good community there, but we had just moved. And so I, yeah, I didn't have friends. I didn't have like hobbies or things that I was really interested in doing. I wasn't moving my body at all. I was just eating and drinking. Like that's what we would do together. That's like the only thing that we enjoyed to do together. I had my sister and my brother-in-law and my nephew there, which was really good, really, really good to have them. Um, but it, you know, it's not enough. <laughs> That was like the only thing that I liked in my life at that point. So then in July of 2020, I found some messages on his phone again. And immediately I saw the messages and I was like, I'm getting a divorce. And I had told him the first time, you know, if this ever happens again, I'm, I'm done. Like, I will try one time, but... That was really wise of you, though. I mean, I think that I could have let myself let go earlier. 
but I think I w- also would have regretted it if I hadn't tried. Like I try not to look at those two years as just a complete waste. <laughs> so I was so unhappy, but I know there were some, some good things in there too. We got divorced very quickly. So one thing, we never fought. Literally never once in our entire dating, engaged, married, any of it. We never fought. We're just very non-confrontational people. And also... At this point, he had so little self-confidence, self-worth that he just took everything. I mean, he just he just didn't have a, an opinion mm. about almost anything. So there was just no fighting, but it wasn't in a good way. <laughs> so anyways, we, we just decided everything amongst ourselves for the divorce. We didn't have a house. We didn't have kids. And that was intentional that we had not had kids. I had just not ever felt ready in the first three years and then once I found out about the cheating having my own background of growing up I was like no like unless Mm. I am a thousand percent sure that this will not happen again I will not have children with you I'm not going to bring kids into this that's amazing yeah (laughs) like we're not healed enough for this (laughs) yeah and also I see a lot of people who have so much trauma and instead of trying to break the cycle they are like I'm gonna just do what feels familiar and comfortable. Yeah, and they just pass it on to their kids. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, so then- we decided everything amongst ourselves. He found a new apartment. I moved in with my sister, brother-in-law, and then there are two kids at that point mm-hmm. that had another baby. It was a, it was a very difficult season. And also, it was COVID. It was COVID, yes. They were loosening up the reins more so mm. in the US than they did here in France. They had a quarantine. I couldn't, I could only think confinement. No. <laughs> <laughs> they yes. had three quarantines here in yes. France, whereas in the US we only had one. Oh. Yeah. And so there were still like some regulations and it sort of depended place to place, but things opened up a lot more there. Yeah, it was a really difficult season. I was, I was still really depressed and I was just feeling this whole like, what? the hell have I been doing? Like, how am I 26 years old, divorced? And like, I felt like I was, I felt like I was doing exactly what I thought I was supposed to do. Mm. How the fuck did I end up here? Like, yeah, it would have felt bad and maybe some anguish because like, you told me this would make me be a good Christian, lead a good life. It's the opposite. Yes. And it went so bad. It went so bad. In the same way that my mom's death started Mm -hmm. to sort of form this crack in my faith, then the the first time finding out about the cheating and that furthered it. Um, But we were still in church this whole time. We had found a church in Kansas City. We were, you know, trying to to do the thing still. But then when we got divorced, I was like, I I can't I can't keep doing this. Like. This isn't working and I feel so awful. Like, I'm not happy. I don't, like, something's got to change here. So in October of that year, October 2020, I stopped going to church for the first time ever in my entire life. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because knowing that you were in church the first week that you were born. Yeah. It's saying something. Yeah. Even even my study abroad semester here in France, I found a church, and I and I went like yeah yeah yeah. That was 
a really, yeah, a heartbreaking thing to, to let go of that. I stopped going to church, but I was still going to a Christian small group. Uh, so I wasn't completely out of it or away from it. And I, I started trying to, you know, do the, what, what a divorced person does. I'm working on myself, trying to figure out how to make myself happy and like life. <laughs> so I did not like life. I started running. I started counting calories and trying to lose weight. I was pretty overweight. I lost a bunch of weight and I was reading books and trying to connect with myself and, and make mm -hmm. myself feel good. So I stayed with my, my sister and her family for nine months. And then I was feeling better. And I thought, I am ready to try living alone for the first time in my life. <laughs> yeah, because I, I had gone from home to host family in Colorado to living with a roommate at college. And I lived with a host family here in France. And then I got married. Like, so I was, I never, I never lived on my own. Um, so I moved into my own apartment with my, the two cats that I retained from the marriage. <laughs> you had three cats. We had three cats and, and he kept one and I kept the other two. Okay. So I, I moved in the apartment with with my cats and it was you know it was still a lot of really difficult times in there but it was a sweet season for me to think on of this first like stretching out my own independence and there were there were times in my life where I thought I would never be able to live alone mm -hmm. because like living with my my ex-husband he took care of so much because I just felt so incapable I was depressed he did the cooking he probably did more of the cleaning or yeah he probably did more of the cleaning like I just was a mess and and so I, at that time I was like I don't think I could ever live alone and so for me to do it I I was so proud of myself I was so proud of myself like, yeah you, 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 you should be yeah. you should be it's not easy yeah so I then I then started dating this was like nine months after, after the divorce, divorce. Yeah. yeah started dating so I'd never dated as a, as a real adult or even mm -hmm. like dated really like just to you know Meet casual dating. dating yeah yeah, yeah. It, I mean I started dating my ex-husband when I was 19 I started I started dating for the first time it was fun yeah it was fun I bet I, bet. I uh, yeah I just like didn't shame myself and enjoyed it mm -hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's nice um yeah and there were difficult moments in there too and there's a lot of like growing and learning and stretching i was so naive like the very first guy that i like went on a date with and then we hooked up like i was like oh i just really like him but he was moving he was he was moving in a month but i was like i just really like him and like i could go visit him and like we could you know, but he just like wanted casual and i was like mm -hmm. And this was the first guy that I went on a date with. Like, I was just immediately like, well, I love you. I guess I we have you. to get married now. Because this is what I was taught that you do. Like, you just find someone, you like them, they're good enough, get I was, married. Like, I was just going to ask you this question. Was it like difficult? Because as you said, you were told, okay, you find someone who can contribute to the house of God. Yeah. And you keep that guy. Yeah. They're good enough. Marry them. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know you don't like explore and see if, uh, maybe there's people I like more you know not to say if you find something that feels really good that it can't be the right thing like I will say my my sister and her husband like he is the only person she has ever kissed 
but they are an amazing couple. I think they work so well together. I, I think they make each other genuinely happy that they have just a great time together. I think they're great. And I think that she just got really, really lucky. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. very rare. Yeah, I think she just got so, so lucky. But there are people like this within the church who then look at people like me and they're like, it's so easy. Why? Yeah. Why? Why didn't it work for you? Or like, what? You must be doing something wrong. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know? but, but I was just like, no, you just, like, you just got lucky. Like, then did you move? Decide to move to France? Like, how did that decision come about? Yeah. So I want to pause there, and then I will go back and share my whole France story as yeah. a separate <laughs> yeah. entity to then lead up to me being here now. Thank you for sharing your story. It was quite brave. It was very honest and i am sure our listeners are going to benefit from listening and viewing your honesty so that's all for today folks and you can follow us on our instagram page it's called searching for home searching for home pod pod thank you and uh, hope to see you soon in our next episode thank you bye <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs>